Hello, and welcome to Launch Legends, the only podcast focused exclusively on the stories behind internet marketing's biggest and best launches. Each week, we sit down with an online marketing expert to tell the story of one of their launches, what went well, what didn't, and how much cash they made. And now, your host, Hamad Akbar. Hello and welcome to another episode of Launch Legends. Today, we're joined by Sean Finder of Autoclose. Autoclose is doing $1 million in ARR within three years of starting. Sean talks about how they started building the early bed user base as soon as they started product development. Over six months before product launch, they managed to get over 3,000 subscribers. He would send them weekly updates on product development and get their feedback. All of that paid off, and when he launched Autoclose, they instantly picked up close to 300 paying clients. But before we continue with the interview, if you are listening to this on a podcast, please rate and review. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button, rate, and leave a review. Hey, Sean, thank you for being on the show. So uh, Autoclose, great product. I know you've got 5,500 users. You just hit your $1 million mark in annual recurring revenue. And you told me you had one of the best months in June where you had 100% growth or 200% growth or something like that. So before that, just tell me who you are and uh, what's your background and why did you start you know, Utah Perfect. Well, I'll go back, way back to the day. And thanks for having me on the show. Um, so the first company I started about six years ago, was called Exchange Lead. But even before that, I used to play competitive tennis. So I come mm-hmm. from a, a very competitive uh, background playing sports um, as a youth, and then mm-hmm. brought that into the entre- entrepreneurial world in about 2015. Um, mm-hmm. The first company, Exchange Leads, was a data company, very similar to the old Jigsaw, which was acquired by Salesforce. Um, We thought the model was great. We kind of built that. And then what happened, we got to a point where we were sitting in the boardroom and we were researching a lot of the stuff our clients were saying, like, you know, you guys have great data. You're selling great data. Sean, why did you, why did you, uh, how did you come out with the idea for exchanges? Were you working as well? No, so actually, I, uh, I got a role as a VP of sales for a computer software company. And on the first day, I was given the sales team and I was given data and I gave the team, you know, using Salesforce, call them, email them. And what we realized was the data was very poor quality. And I was like, we just spent thousands of dollars and the quality of this data is just so poor. So it dinged to me is why not build a company that provides high quality data, maybe less vol- volume, but high quality. And that's how I came up with the idea. And, uh, and found my business partner literally the second week on the job of my VP of sales role. And we built it for a year to get to exchange leads. Right. Okay. Okay. So let's talk further. What, what did you do with exchange leads? So exchange leads um, was a data company, as I said, you know, similar to the old jigsaw. And we, we started building it up, but we hit, we hit like a plateau where we felt like we need to do something else. Um, so mm-hmm. what happened was instead of paying taxes to the Canadian government, I decided to do research and development and build another product. And our platform was to have the database from exchange leads inside a sales engagement tool where not only can you email your own data, but now you can search and filter through our database to pick and choose who you want to prospect to. So we basically combined both tools under one umbrella and called it Autoclose. Right. So when you say that you are going to put in your own data as well, like for example, your from exchange leads. What regions did that cover? U.S. and uh, Canada or all over the world? 
So great question. So exchange leads back in the day covered both Canada and the US. But as you probably know, in Europe, there's GDPR. And in Canada, there's something called Castle. So what we actually, we still sell custom data in those other places, but the software will only provide US data because of the laws in Europe and Canada currently. So let me ask you this. Before we started the interview, you told me that you didn't launch an AppSumo. And I'm jumping a little bit. We'll come back to that. AppSumo customers are from all over the world. And when yes. you sold it, did they not pester you that, look, hey, we can't get data for, I don't know, Sweden, or we can't get data in Romania? How did you go around that? That's a great question. So the software, you have two options. You could upload your own data and use your own data in the software, or you can have the upgrade service, which is our database for the US only. So many of the people that actually signed up via AppSumo uh, three years ago, uploaded their own contacts, integrated their CRM with the platform, and then used their own contacts because we, weren't, we just weren't able to provide worldwide data and global data. Great. So let's go back. So when you first launched, I read somewhere you had a big list of uh, prospects who were were ready to buy. Uh, First of all, were those from exchange deeds or you built on some other way? We actually did something. And and one of the things I'd recommend all entrepreneurs or any SaaS founder to do. Um, We started our launch six months before our launch date. And what we did was very simple. We started building a landing page to collect emails. Mm -hmm. But when we collected those emails, we would actually send those client, those prospects weekly updates on how close we are to launch. So what happened was we would ask them, you know, which feature would you like, A, B, or C? Mm-hmm. And what happened was because we collected all these emails and asked them to be very interactive with us throughout the process, when launch day actually happened, all of our prospects almost felt like they built the product with us mm-hmm. because they were there for the entire journey over those six months. So when we actually launched our product, we did like a soft launch. We said, okay, we're only taking 100 clients. And we would tell people, okay, we're at 92. So there's only eight spots left. And what mm-hmm. happened was we really, we got our first, I think it was like two, 300 clients in 48 hours in a boardroom by simply, you know, having a lot of hype towards that launch date six months wow. before. Um, but, and that's something I would recommend for anyone starting a SaaS platform. What was your email list? What was, uh, you know, the early bird email list, how big was they at the launch? Oof. We were getting emails all the time. We were had, we had, I had virtual assistants that were on LinkedIn reaching out to people. And this is before, you know, everyone was sending emails out, which is now like LinkedIn is different than it was three years ago. Back in the day, you'd send an email, everyone would reply and be interested. Now it's a little bit different, but we were using our own tool. We were using um, LinkedIn. We were joining Facebook groups. We're doing LinkedIn groups were, were, were huge a few years ago and literally asking anybody to send their email. And then we would do videos every week on product updates, on where we are. You know, it would be like you know, building a condominium and going floor by floor. That's what mm-hmm. we were providing people throughout the process. That's great. And how were you reaching out to them? Why, just email or did you have a Facebook group as well? We used our own tool. I mean, email automation. We had sales engagement. <laughs> we would just put them in and let them run and send them every weekly updates through here. We also use MailChimp. Um, we love MailChimp. MailChimp is our marketing tool of choice. Um, so we mm-hmm. use MailChimp and that was where we'd send like our weekly newsletters out. Um, but we, we would do a com- combination of LinkedIn, social selling, our tool and the marketing tool. Great. And how big was the list at launch? At launch, I think we had over 1,800 emails, which we converted about 27 to 33% of them, I believe. Uh, that's, that's extremely high. That's yeah. extremely high. And you said you got... 300, two, 300 clients straight away. 
What was your launch sequence like? Were you hyping them up just a little bit before the locate's coming or you just emailed them and said, look, okay, we've, we've launched yeah. and we are selling it to 100 people? Well, we, 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 we hyped it up. We also did AppSumo, as we mentioned, um, which, which also gives you that SEO backlinks and gives you that in that, in that very niche community they have. Um, there's a lot of word of mouth and stuff. But from us, sorry, just, sure, sure. Uh, sorry uh, I think I got you wrong. Uh, you know, when you first launched and you got your 200 or 300 clients instantly yeah. from that list, uh, what did you do then? Oh, so when we, when we got the people from the list, we put them through a sequence. Um, okay. And the sequence would be that, that weekly update on mm-hmm. where we are today, what we're yep. currently building, what our development's working on, who we're hiring. Um, the whole, as I said, the whole process was to make people feel like they weren't buying our product, but they were actually part of our product mm-hmm. and, and we were building it for them. And by making it feel like it was more of a one-on-one, um, it really, really helped when we got to the launch date and we had that list to just send out an email saying, Hey, we have 24 hours. We're taking as many people. If you, if you want to be part of that exclusive list to be part of our launch, you know, mm-hmm. sign up here. And then we reached out one by one. We call those people. We do an onboarding, a demo, et cetera, for all those people at the beginning. Great. And how much revenue did you make straight away from launch? I think from launch, it was it was anywhere between thirty to fifty thousand dollars on the on the in the first few months of launch. We broke even right away. We broke even within the first three months. All our investment, we broke even. Oh, wow! Wow! Yeah. So you got your first launch, uh, you know, set of customers, and then what did you do after that? Well, so after that, I realized that uh, we couldn't continue just with two of us as account managers in a boardroom making, doing all the demos. We started, um, you know, trying to build in a team. Because I think a lot of people, that one of the biggest mistakes SaaS founders do is they, they wear many hats and so do I. But at some point, if you want to scale to that next level, you need more people. Um, so mm-hmm. we started looking at hiring more salespeople, hiring more SDRs, um, mm-hmm. hiring a marketing team, you know, because content was still king. So mm-hmm. the way we really scaled was focusing on, on, on A, what was working, but also how can we get to the next level? And that was, you know, trying to get the SDRs now to come in. Each of, the, each of them have a quota of 16 demos they have to get for the account executives a month and start mm-hmm. growing that way. But one thing I would say, Hamad, is, you know, we did, we did go out to Europe for SDRs. Um, mm-hmm. As a bootstrap company, I wouldn't have been able to afford three, four full-time SDRs here in Toronto. Um, so okay. really help by outsourcing that out to Europe, um, where, 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 the, um, where it was a little bit cheaper um, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the process. How many SDRs did you hire in the, in the beginning? We had one. Um, and then, you know, we had a good month, hired another one, another good month. So as, we, as our revenue continued to increase, um, we continued to hire more talent um, to mm-hmm. build our team. Um, mm-hmm. But not to say that we didn't, you know, one of, the, one of my biggest flaws was not hiring more earlier on, like two years ago, when we had the money as well. Um, so we hired a little bit slow. I wish I hired a little bit quicker, but we did hire, you know, as we, as we hit that next, that next level, we hired another salesperson, we hired another marketing person. Uh, I was involved in sales for the first year and a half. So I was doing a lot of demos myself as well. So let's go back to hiring SDRs. Um, typically what I've seen is that you hire an SDR, there's a hit and miss. Uh, sometimes they're really great and <clears throat> they meet all the targets, but most of the times they don't. So there's a whole period of trial and error before you have your ideal team. Did you not get that? Oh, I we had that. In, <laughs> I have some funny stories. So originally, I look locally here in Toronto. Huh? I hired, I got, a, I got a funny story here. I actually hired somebody uh, as he was an, an SDR and account executive, have 20 years experience. 
And I hired him for two months and we just, I just wasn't getting results. So I asked my IT guys, I'm like, just check. And we actually looked in his email. He hadn't sent an email in two months. So I was paying him for two months and he actually did nothing. What he was, was doing, doing nothing. Nothing, just nothing. He was, he actually did not, he was telling me he had all this pipeline and everything. So we went through about a handful. I had another, another guy I hired who was on Dragon's Den, which is our like, our shark tank. Mm-hmm. He actually got a deal. He was an entrepreneur, came to sales, didn't sell for me either. So I had a really tough time before I went to Europe from hiring salespeople. And, you know, even today, it's still tough to find good salespeople because the problem with hiring people is you can hire them. You spend so much money training them over three months. And then the person across the street offers them $10,000 more a year mm-hmm. and they leave you. So we had a tough time. We went through and spent thousands of dollars hiring people that, uh, that did not stay with the business. What about your process for outreach in the beginning? Was it as refined as it is now? I'm sure not, but did you have any process at all? That's the first question. So that's, you know, a lot of people talk about processes early on in a startup. It's, you know, you're thrown into the ocean. You got to sink or swim. So we had no processes. I would literally go SDRs, SDRs. I mean, I can't see how an SDR is going to function without set processes and KPIs. Uh, did you have that for them in the beginning when they were not well, So at the, at the beginning, I tried to hire seasoned vets, you know, oh. thinking that, you know, if they worked, I, I always look to see, did they work at a bank? I always like people hiring salespeople that work at a bank because mm-hmm. the banks train them really well. They train mm-hmm. them on the phone, they train them on email. So originally I just hired people that I thought had a good resume. They've worked somewhere. They've done cold calling. They've done email outreach, et cetera. Um, but now we have processes. So now it's, you know, now I would say for our SDRs, we hired late last year. We hired two more SDRs. We must've went through 86 resumes in Europe, four interviews. We do practice runs with them, but early on we didn't have any process in place. Now the process we have now is it's a, it's a full training. They get trained on the call. They get trained on our CRM. They get trained on how to do, they get trained on everything. But early on, it's, it's almost impossible. If you have time, we just didn't have the time to actually train our SDRs. How does it look like now for your sales team? So for example, SD, you, you hire an SDR. So let me just clarify why I'm asking this, because a lot of people and a lot of SaaS companies I've spoken to, they, go, they don't go down this route where yeah. they hire a sales team to do outreach and then book demos and all that stuff. They do the whole content marketing or paid ads and then generate leads that way. So it's very interesting how you did it. Uh, you know, the old school way of, you know, sales, hard, you know, cold, you know, proper sales. So how does your process, the outreach process look like now for SDRs? Yeah. So right now for an SDR, we have, uh, we have a handful of SDRs and they, their job is literally to get account executives 16 demos a month. Now, okay. why that's important, and why we chose that is we hired, we hired account executives. Now, an account executive, A, we had one that was commission-based um, mm-hmm. early on. A guy that's commission-based has to have a full calendar full of demos for him to make money. Mm-hmm. So if we don't have SDRs that were providing him demos, he wasn't making money. Now, early on, we didn't, I didn't have enough money to pay somebody that was competing with Salesforce $100,000 to do sales for me. Mm-hmm. So we hired the SDRs strictly to fill the dem, to fill the calendars of our, of our account executives, which is what the role is now. 16 demos a month, each person. You have 16, 16, 16, it's 48. We have a few account executives. Each one gets 48. They get their own. We have some marketing stuff. Now, why we didn't choose marketing, like you said, was we, we actually still spend $0 in marketing ads. We don't, we don't pay any ads. We haven't paid, we haven't done any paid, paid ads since inception. We've done retargeting sometimes. Mm-hmm. But 
again, I could spend thousands of dollars on paid ads to get my account executives some demos, but we needed people to actually do demos. And that was the big thing. You could do paid ads and get somebody on to sign up a free trial. But when I'm trying to sell you know, a $5,000 package with data, I need an account executive that actually is doing a demo because nobody's going to click on a paid ad and send me $5,000 over, over, over email. Um, right. So that's the reason why we chose that route. Now, paid ads are great if I want to get free trials, et cetera, um, but mm-hmm. it's never been a successful route for us. Maybe we haven't had the people in place to do it properly. But it hasn't been, um, it hasn't worked for us yet. Even retargeting, we spent thousands of dollars a month on it and we didn't get a return on our investment. So let's talk about your sales again. Um, what's your ticket size, by the way? So it ranges. Uh, subscription um, starts at $49.99 a month for auto close. That's for the engagement tool. If you want mm-hmm. access to the database, it could be anywhere between three to $5,000 because it depends on how many seats you're using. So obviously mm-hmm. the, subscri- the subscription, um, you know, uh, turns the lights on, um, but the actual the actual data is what pays the employees. Right, got it. And then, what's the conversion rate from demo to a sale? So early on, I would say we had we had about a thirty, almost a thirty percent conversion rate. We were because our platform is built so so well that when people see it, it's like that wow factor. Um, mm-hmm. But we do about a th- we have about a thirty percent close on our demos. So every ten demos, right. we're closing about three of them. Right, and what's the conversion rate for whatever the stuff uh, SDRs do to demos? I'm just trying to figure out. Uh, From SDRs to demos, I, I couldn't get you that numbers, but I know the SDRs. The SDRs, I mean, they're working full time, and they usually get about 16 a month. So wow. I'm sure they're emailing, calling, LinkedIn, doing all that stuff, um, but they're getting 16. Now we also pre-qualify demos. Um, we don't want a guy coming on a demo that a doesn't have budget, b is already under a one-year contract with our competitors. So we do have demos that they bring. And it's like, okay, in our first two minutes, like, you know, you're, you're currently using outreach.io and you're signed up till 2021. Well, reach out to us two months before your contract's up because our features might be different. Our pricing might be different. Great, great, great. So let's go back. So have you been refining this sales process all along when you, from the point where you first hired your SDR to the point now where that's been the main growth channel for you? Yeah. So what strategically what we did was January of this year, we hired, hired team leads in every department. So it used mm-hmm. to be me involved in everything. And I, I was involved in the sales, the marketing and absolutely everything. And then right. it was actually my, at the time, my marketing person came and goes, you know, Sean, you're going to have a heart attack if you don't start delegating some stuff out. And it's like my baby, you know? So what I did was I have a team lead in sales, a team lead in marketing and everything. The team lead in sales, he's more of an out, like a more of a demand gen guy manage the entire sales process. I only come in if there's a negotiation with a bigger client or a huge demo with a whale that I need to come in and do. But the process are all there. Everything's done through Slack. Sales and marketing are aligned. Um, SDRs know their role. They follow up the account executives. Everything's you know put into CRM. So there's a full process. And even when we hire SDRs now, they have to go through the Zoom recorded processes of all the different things that the salespeople have to do. Great. So, Sean, um, you still did an AppSumo launch. So, why did you do that? That's so, that was, a, that was right at the beginning. That was um, at the beginning where, to be honest, I didn't even know what AppSumo was. All I heard was, uh, we can get you 3,000 clients and we're going to get you, you know, this much revenue. I'm like, oh, you know, we just, we just launched three weeks ago. Why not? Don't get me wrong. It wasn't that it was just, it was bad. It was, it had its pros and its cons. The pros are, I'll start with the, the, the cons, actually. The cons are that you now have 3,000 people 
that are only looking for the cheapest discount and they're going to drive your support nuts. I mean, mm-hmm. we had we had five support. I even went to support as a founder because we had support getting tickets and they come in trying to tell you how you should build your product, what you should prioritize, why did you do this? And it was like it was like dealing with 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 investors that didn't invest. Well, they guess they did invest. They've invested, you know, 50 bucks. Yeah. And you got 30% of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it was something looking back, the revenue, we didn't need the revenue at the time. A lot of people do it because they need the revenue. We didn't need the revenue because we were just, you know, um, pivoting our first business to this, which our first business was already successful. The pros are you get to learn about every bug and flaw in your business. Mm. So every bug in your software, they told us about. They also let us, you know, showed us what our prospects want. So we can actually prioritize the future. I um, mean, still to this day, we still have some of our, 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 our AppSumo users, but the AppSumo guys, they're all looking for, you know, what's the next free thing, um, mm-hmm. which is great. But um, now that we're, you know, we're far along and we still to this day, three years later, have people say, I bought a code from AppSumo three years ago and I never used it. Well, you didn't use it three years ago. We're a lot different platform now than we were then. <laughs> but you said you got all sorts of bugs from the product. How stable was the platform at that point? Well, no matter what, whenever you build a product, you're always going to have bugs because you can, you can go through it. We still, we now have a you know, QA person, but they were finding, you know, bugs that we would never look at. You know, mm-hmm. they found different things that we can change. They found, you know, you have a capital letter on one word and then the next word is not capitalized and doesn't flow within your business. It was just, they were finding the most specific things, which is good because, mm-hmm. you know, you, we want to perfect our, our development. We want to perfect our product. Um, but it, it really took a toll on our support. Having 3,000 users in one day, you know, one thing that looks at is your servers, you know, mm-hmm. Were you built for 3,000 users to sign up in one day? You know, that's like, that's like building an app and having a million downloads in Apple. Are you built for it? You, got, you can't really test it until it actually happens. Isn't that a really good thing that you got really stress tested very quickly in the, in the early stages of the product? A hundred percent. That's one of the pros for sure. We got stress tested right from the beginning, um, which is good. We didn't have any, any um, downtime, any issues because we were, we were told to expect that. But at the same time, somebody that isn't that does the AppSumo route that doesn't know what they're in for, mm-hmm. um, test everything before the AppSumo launch. <laughs> did, they, did they help you with the product roadmap at all? You said that they were at different kind of customers where they were just looking for the cheapest bargain possible. But did they help you with the product roadmap at all, or they were just good for stress testing? Great question. Our the biggest problem that I did and I didn't realize was everyone that was an AppSumo. Um, thinks and looks very small. So they're very, they're, there could be one-man shows, they could be an entrepreneur, they could be a one-man business, two-man business. Mm-hmm. Where our vision as a company was to build an SMB product. Mm-hmm. So one of the flaws that we had was now that we have all these users on board, we're getting feedback from people that are one to two-man operations where mm-hmm. we really want to try and sell to five to 50-man operations. So the features and stuff that they wanted early on was stuff that would be good for them, but that might not be good for a small business. And the problem was online reviews and everyone was from very small business. So we had one man entrepreneurs or solopreneurs that were reviewing our business, 
but that's not really the target market we were looking for long-term. Mm-hmm. So we had to then slowly, and it's about a year and a half, to slowly get to the point where we can get those bigger companies to trust us because they would look online, everything would be around, I'm a one-man show using AutoClose and I love it. But that's not where we want it to be. Um, so it took about a year and a half to get that brand um, and that brand awareness around that SMB, mm-hmm. um, which is another another con. But as I said, it, you know, you live and learn. Would I do it again? I don't think so. Really? Yeah, I don't think I would do it again. What would you do differently? That's, that's a funny one. You're probably the only person who's saying that. Um, well, it all depends. If you need the capital, I would do it. Yeah, if I needed the capital. But, you know, I, I don't think I would go through, depending on the product, but if I was building an SMB product, I would not do AppSumo because it did it did really hurt our pricing. It hurt our brand for the first year because uh, we had to slowly get to that next level. Um, whereas if I just launched it as a SMB product, it might've been a little bit slower, but I could have closed a $5,000 deal that might be the same as getting 50, $50 deals kind of thing. Um, got it. So I think, you know, you have to be strategic. I think it's great for people that are trying to, test to see if there's a market for their market fit or um, if they haven't done it. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if, if I was reaching out to smaller companies, I would do it. If I was looking for SMBs, I would not do it. Great. So the revenue, how much did you, did the product make and how did you actually, how much did you actually take home? From the AppSumo? AppSumo launch, yeah. Uh, I think the AppSumo, I think we took home about 45,000. And I think we got, like you said, I think we got, I don't even remember. It was, it was thirty or was it thirty percent? Maybe thirty percent. Yeah, I think it was thirty percent. Um, so we we ended up taking home forty five thousand off of that. You know, but you take that, you still you know you have support. You have to hire for tons of support for three months. Um, but listen, it, it was a great experience. Um, but I feel like where we were as a company um, and what we were looking to do, um, it it hurt us a little bit in the in the short term. Great. Let's talk about hiring a sales team versus doing your online content marketing, inbound lead gen and all that stuff. My first question is, um, what should be, if, if someone's running a company, a SaaS company, and they're thinking about hiring a sales team versus running paid ads or doing content marketing to generate the leads, what's the minimum ticket size, average cart value, average customer value they need to actually justify a sales team? So I would say you have to be doing um, between four to $5,000. And the reason why is um, when I hired our account executive, who is commissioned, still is, our first one, he's still with us, was commission-based. I could not pay him commission off a $50 deal. He, wouldn't, he just wouldn't work for me. So you, I needed to have that $5,000. And I gave him a lot more commission up front when we started because we, you know, we launched together. Um, but you need to be able to make, you know, especially here in Toronto and, you know, I know you're in the UK, um, mm-hmm. here in Toronto, you know, people make, make, a, make a lot of money in sales. Mm-hmm. You can make six figures in sales. So if you don't have a product that they can potentially make six figures in sales, you're not mm-hmm. going to get some good. So I would say you need to be selling something that's at least $5,000. So even if you're giving them 10, 15, 20%, 25% on that sale, they can sell three a month, four a month at that price. And, uh, and they're happy and you're happy. Great, great, great. So, uh, Sean, uh, one last question. Uh, if you were to start everything again, what would you do differently? And this question is very specifically for a person who's just starting out and thinking, okay, and what should I do? 
So put yourself in their, in their position and think, okay, what would you do differently now? So I'll tell you the first mistake I made with, with exchange leads and what I would do differently. I didn't do it in the second business auto close. And early on as a, as a founder, I focused so much on making revenue. I would, a client would come on and pay me. And that's all I focused on. Keep bringing the clients in and then build your product. So make money, put the money towards your product. The biggest mistake I made, I would tell people right now, build your product and let your clients come to your product instead of building your, your, you're doing it the other way. So now what I do is clients, no clients, I'm continuing to invest in development of my product. Because if I continue to invest in the product and the development, I'll build a big enough product that people will hear about it and they'll see it and they'll come to me. So I'm not going to chase them. They now come to me through word of mouth and referrals. That was the biggest mistake I made with exchange leads. And I did not make with auto close. But I think if I early on in exchange leads would have focused way more on the product, we would have been more successful at the front. I think if you break down, build a product, that also means getting the leads, getting the people to sign up for early bird, giving them updates, getting feedback from them whilst you build a product. So you don't really end up building something completely different to what they need. So I think that's your definition of building a product where you you did the same thing where you started building your list six months prior to launching the product and you really worked with them, gave them updates and really got the feedback whilst you were building uh, to make sure that you built it right. I think yeah. that's your definition. And, and also, I'll give you an example. We, well, we did what we did. We built a dashboard. And what I said was, we had 25 things that we thought could be on the dashboard. We actually sent it to our, all of our clients and we said, vote for your top three. And then we actually took the vote of the 25 things they want on the dashboard and we put the first 11 on our dashboard. So we still to this day go with that and we have our, our clients still build our product. Um, we take all their feedback, put it on the Trello board and we take the Trello board and we prioritize via our clients. Great, great, great. Sean, thank you very much. That was great. And uh, thank you again for coming on the show and I hope I see you again. Good luck. Thanks for having me. That was a lot of fun. And that's it for this episode of Launch Legends. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and share more online marketing launch stories, please search for Launch Legends and your favorite podcast listening app. And then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.